Welcome to the Communion Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Erin. And I'm Ramonita. Communion is all about relationships over religion. Relationship with Christ, with ourselves, and with one another. And in a culture that seems so divisive, we're cultivating a community of truth seekers from all walks of life. So whether you have faith, no faith, or you have walked away from the church, you are welcome here. We are inviting guests to share personal stories, wrestle with questions, and rebuild bridges with those that may think differently, all in order to be reconciled with God, self, and others, as it is in heaven. So let's get started. Let the reconciliation begin. Girl, I'm not going to lie, we get flustered with raising children, as you know, and schedules coordinating, but we're here and we're back for another episode and that's what matters. I'm really excited to be with you today and excited for what we're going to talk about. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I saw this meme on social the other day that said, I used to think that when you grow up and you're like an adult, that it's just like one like life catastrophe after the next. And in reality, it's multiple life catastrophes all at the same time forever. And I was like, that part. Not <laughs> like life very true. Life <laughs> yes, it is very true. And it feels like we can't really control it very much either. Before that, what an incredible episode we just had with Deb Williams. Like, I love Deb. I know she's your best friend in the whole world. She's my dear sister and I love her. And I'm just grateful for her. Once again, another person, friend, sister that is vulnerable, honest, authentic, and is just saying the real stuff. Um, And Deb talking about her obedience for what God asked her to do, not just once, not just her leaving Nike, but multiple times over the course of her life that she heard the Lord's voice, and she answered it. And it wasn't always easy, and she talks a lot about that, obviously, in the episode. But I am just grateful for her willingness to confess, hey, it's hard, but when I hear the Lord's voice, I'm going to listen to it. And I know that tons of people had to be questioning her um, and probably still do question her decisions. And yet that obedience, girl, something about that obedience is so important. Mm-hmm. I know we always talk about like faith will have you out here looking crazy like what <laughs> it definitely doesn't make sense and what I do love about Deb is she does choose God she does yeah. but I think when we've talked about this on previous episodes that in the Bible you see these people God calls them to do something it's like okay God I'm gonna go like what's up I'm going, you know, and it's not always like that. And I loved her honesty and her transparency about the fact that she was like, look, I'm going to be obedient. Eventually, I always choose obedience. However, 
in the period where God tells me to do something and me acting on what he told me to do, there's a little, there's a little something that happens in between there. And I think it's so hard for us to be so honest. You often hear people's testimonies of God asked me to do this and I did it. Like I jumped, like, you know, and he blessed me. And we expect that that's how the story is supposed to happen. But that's not real. What happens in the in between is really what's interesting. And it's like us wrestling with God. Clearly, I spent way too much time on the Internet because I saw this other meme of this um, woman talking about how when you ask your child to do something and she's like, OK, they're playing with a toy and you're like, OK, get up, go brush your teeth or do whatever you ask them to do. And they don't listen the first time. And you have to say it multiple times. She was like, well, think about it. Like when you're doing something that you want to do and somebody tells you, okay, it's time to change. It's time to transition. It's time to do something different. You're like, hold on, let me finish what I'm doing first. Let me get this off and then I'll go do what I got to do. And I think that's like what happens. Sometimes God tells us to do something and it's not on our timing. You think that Mary, when God said, hey, by the way, boo, no, you're engaged, you're young. You're going to be pregnant. Now, do you think she was like, wait, hold on, God. I got a whole bunch of life to live. Can I get married first? People are going to look at me crazy. Like there, it doesn't always happen where it's like, okay, yeah. Like, God, I hear you. I'm going to go right now because you told me to. And I love Deb's transparency about the wrestling with God. But what I think is so interesting about Deb and what I love so much, because that's my girl, that's my sister. And we walk many seasons of life together. And I can attest to Yes, she's gone through, but I have to. The wrestling really is about me wanting to be in control, especially to your point, when it doesn't make sense. When it doesn't make sense, I'm like, God, mm, hold on. Let's play this scenario out. You're asking me to do what? So how am I going to do that? When am I going to do that? What resources are you going to provide? Where do I start? We don't have those answers. And when I feel like God's calling me to something and I feel like I'm going to look crazy, I can definitely yep. myself trying to get in the driver's seat, like, mm, God, I think I know what I'm doing better than you. So let me get in this driver's seat. I like to be in control. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And I love wow. like how she talked about that because I think that's so real. We, didn't, we don't got to be super Christian and act like it, it's always like, yeah, we just left all of our possessions, left our boat, left our family and said, what's up, Jesus? <laughs> like, yeah. there's wrestling, you know, and that's honest. That's true. T, I love that you're bringing up control because as you know i've been reading this book lately it's called the cost of control it's by sharon hody miller this is what it looks like y'all it's not promoted maybe you want to pick it up and i will say just the whole concept of control has been blowing my mind i talked about on our last episode how when adam and eve were in the garden they eat the fruit all of humanity has spent eternity since then trying to get back to when all things were right. And we've been seeking control to make all things right again ever since. And this book is talking all about just the idea of control being an illusion. Here's where she goes further into the idea of control. She says, when we cannot bear our lack of control any longer, we find ways to feel in control. I'm safer and more secure if I'm in charge, is what we start to believe. Control is not just about actual influence, but the feeling of power attached to it. And then she goes on to say, the illusion of control is powerful. 
If we feel like we're in control, it doesn't matter if we actually are. That is how influential the illusion of control is for the human imagination. And that struck me because she's talking about the reality that control is not just an illusion, but that we can control our minds or change our minds to believe I feel in control. And we convince ourselves that we feel in control. Therefore, we feel safe. If I'm in control of something, now I feel safe. Now I um, I don't have to feel anxious about it. And she talks about that concept too. I've thought about anxiety and the the idea that a lot of anxiety, at least for me, it always is coming out of situations that I feel like things are out of control and I can't do anything about it. And because all of a sudden the reality of me not being in control comes to the forefront, I therefore start to feel anxious. I start to feel that anxiety, that that pull that says, wait a minute, you have to grasp for that feeling back. You have to grasp to feel in control again because now you're not safe. And that's so interesting to me how our safety is so connected to what we can and can't control. You took the Um, words out of my mouth, E. I was literally going to say, I actually don't think it's about us wanting control, needing control, believing even that we're in control. I think it's us doing whatever we possibly can to grasp for safety and security. That has come through in our own stories and so many of the guest stories that we've had on here so far that need to feel safe and secure. And I truly believe that our need for control is evidence of our lack of faith because there is safety in faith. There is safety in knowing the God we serve. There is safety in believing the words of the God we serve. There is safety in believing the promises of the God we serve. However, if we do not believe the promises, the words, the character of God, if we do not have that faith, then that I think is when we start to feel insecure. That's when we start to feel unsafe. That's when we start to try and grasp onto whatever we can around us to make us feel safe and make us feel secure. Though it might not be it, we literally try. Going back to that analogy, imagine if your father was driving a car and he started to go a route you don't know. And all of a sudden you're going down a dark road and there's no lights on. You can barely see. It's foggy. You don't see any houses. You don't think it's the right direction. And you're trying to tell your dad like, hey, dad, I don't think we're going the right way. And he's like, just trust me. I got this. There's going to be a point on that journey if it goes for so long where you're like, okay, you're not listening to me. Let me take the wheel and let me redirect this. I don't trust you or let me out the car. And I think that's how we act with God. It's like, I can't see where you're going. This route does not make sense. You're taking me sometimes the longer route than where I know we could get there faster. And I... I'm going to either get out the car because I don't want this faith journey. I don't want this obedience. I don't want what's on the other side of this because I can't see it and it doesn't make sense. Or I'm going to try to take the wheel and take it into my own hands to get the outcome that I think I should get based on the route that I think we should go to get there. Yeah, absolutely. It's a funny that you use the analogy of, of a kid and a parent because legitimately in real life, my youngest kid, Asher, 
he is always telling me I'm going the wrong way. And I'm like, boy, you don't know where we're going right now. Why are you like after me? And he is like, mom, you are going the wrong way. And he'll like yell at me. And I'm like, buddy, you have to trust mommy. I know what I'm doing. I promise you I'm not taking you to some place that's not safe. But I also was thinking about this and how he also knows the routes that we're going to go. And there's sometimes that I take a different route. We're still going to the same destination, but I'm taking a different route. And so it is with God. I think so many times some of our lack of control and the anxiety that we feel is not that I don't believe God has good intention for me, but I don't like the route he's taken to get me there. And so I want to grasp onto control. I want to grab onto the steering wheel. I want to say, no, God, I don't need to go that route to get to this destination. So I'm going to try to take control into my own hands and do things my own way. And what does that lead to? It never turns out good. Every time I try to take matters into my own hands, it I end up making things so much more confusing than they were. I think that's so funny because if we stay on this analogy, you want to go the route you want to go on or you want to stay in that lane. And it's like, hmm, you go down your route. And oh, by the way, there's a roadblock. There's a detour. The exit's closed. And now you got to go all the way back the other way to the route that we were originally on because it actually was the faster route or it actually was the better route. However, we didn't know that that was happening over there. We thought that was the better way. And little did we know, whole accident, whole car crash, close down the highway, can't get there. God knows. He always knows the best route to take us. He always knows what we need for the journey and where we're going and how we need to get there best. We don't have to take the wheel. We don't. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I read the Bible, I think that Jesus is pretty hilarious. Um, because I'm thinking of the the disciples following Jesus all along the road. Jesus comes to them, calls them, says, hey, come follow me. I'll show you how to really live. I'll show you how to change the world. And they give up everything as we know the story goes, and they start to follow Jesus. But think about all the routes that Jesus took. He would go through Samaria, and they were pissed at him. They're like, Jesus, we're Jews. We don't interact with Samaritans. He would interact with people that they're looking at him like he's crazy and being like, Jesus, everyone is asking for you. Why are you, why the heck are you going out and sleeping right now? Everyone's asking for you. Why are you going up on that mountain and spending time praying? Like, come on, Jesus, we got to go. Don't you remember what you said? We got to go change the world. And yet he did change the world. And I think him showing that he was in control, him taking them on that route, him not even getting angry with them in their ignorance, honestly, at times, but just saying, I know, I know, I mean, this is how I imagine him acting with them. I know you think you know what's best, but we're still going to do this. You'll see the bigger picture in the end. That's the truth. It's about the bigger picture. And it doesn't mean that that comes easy. Trust me, y'all. Control is probably one of the things I struggle with the very most. It's the thing that brings me the most anxiety. And when I let go of control, that's when a lot of the anxious stuff that's stirring up in my heart starts to dissipate. Yeah, that's good. And there's so many ways we try to control. Think of three major areas for me where I know it shows up the most. 
trying to control circumstances, the route I'm going, the path I'm on, trying to control yep. the narrative. What are people saying about me? Who do people say I am? And then trying to control other people often. And I think about circumstances as an example. You and I had this conversation earlier where have different things going on in our lives. And we were talking about, well, we really feel like God's called us to this. And I know for me, it's a 90 day season of saying no. And that means an opportunity might come knocking at my door and I got to turn it down. And I'm like, hold on, God, like what? That could put finances, resources, opportunities, relationships, networks into my home. Why would you, why would you just have me say no? And you and I had this conversation about the five loaves and the two fish. And God's like, Okay, uh, we need to feed all these people. Wait, how? What? What do we? We have nothing. We need resources. We need. And he's like, yeah, but um, give me what you got. And then it says he feeds thousands. And then at the end, it says there were like twelve baskets left over, full. They left with more than what they came with, but it didn't make sense to them. You are asking me to give up everything I have right now, and there's all these hungry people. How w- would we ever? We could clutch on to things. We could hold on to things. We could think we are in control. We could hold on to the little resources that we have, or we could release it and let God be in control. But I think oftentimes we try to manipulate situations based on what we think makes sense or what's logical to us. We don't have to play God. We don't know God's plan. And sometimes, oftentimes, all the time, actually, God's plan is always, always better than ours. He knows what we're doing. We do not have to do his job for him. So that's why I think circumstances... I will say controlling narrative, and I know we could go here because you and I talk about this a lot. We're performers. We're human doers versus human beings. E, you and I talk about this a ton, what it looks like when we are trying to control the narrative or we care so deeply about what somebody thinks about us that we try to control the narrative. How does that show up in your life? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. You just hit. You just said on something that made me just want to cry. Um, yeah. Uh, Controlling the narrative. Man, there's so many things I could say about this, but without making this episode like a two-hour sob session, I, I would say I want to control the narrative because sometimes the lies that I believe it's almost like when people think things about me that aren't true, it starts to solidify, oh, maybe that lie is truth. Maybe that is the truth. And so me controlling the narrative a lot of times isn't like that I want to be deceptive or me controlling the narrative isn't that I'm like trying to lie, but it's me being so fearful that anyone would believe a lie about me and take it as truth because I'm afraid to start to believe that very lie about myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. When you talk about the anxiety that comes along with that, that's so real because I think it is about the lies we believe about ourselves, but you and I both know there is this thing that rises up in us that makes us want to profusely defend ourselves or do everything to prove the opposite. (laughs) I think some of it is, to your point, proving to ourselves that that's not true, but then to other people. And I, clearly I spent way too much on, time on the internet, but I saw this meme that says 2024, let go of the need to defend yourself, to defend yep. your own narrative. Sometimes yeah. people just got to think what they're going to think. They might not always yeah. get to know our intentions. 
They might not always get to know why we did something. They might not always get all the context. They are going to believe what they're going to believe. And that's their story. And they're sticking to it. That yeah. is hard to settle with. Sometimes yeah. we are not going to get to explain ourselves. Yep. Yeah. Mm. I'm that struggling part. with that too. <laughs> the idea that we have to be okay with not always getting to tell our side of the story is really hard because if we feel like we always have to tell our side of the story, then that's us trying to control the narrative. And I will say this, sitting back and knowing that there's a narrative about me that isn't true and then watching how God reveals what is true in time is something that I have also lived time and time again. Mm. And I have that when I don't try to go and defend myself all the time, when I don't try to spend my wheels and my time trying to prove, prove to someone I'm not who they think I am, all I am is anxious. But when I rest, when I sit and who I know that I am, it's like God asking me the question or a friend like you asking me the question, who are you? Who are you really? Uh, when yeah. I get to just sit in who I really am, to be honest with you, I'm not so concerned with what everyone thinks about me anymore. And guess what? The truth of who I am does come through. Do you know how many times this truly has happened that people have come back to me and said, I'm sorry, I was wrong about you? Yes, yes, yes. So me spending time trying to control the narrative about what people think about me is a waste of my time. That's what that tells me. Yep. Yep. I mean, just look at this morning. I called you and I was like, okay, I got to confess because we got this true face like relationship. And I was like, I got to confess that there's something that had me anxious this morning. And I played out this scenario and I was like, do you think that they took that the wrong way? And you were like, T, were your, were your intentions pure? And I was like, yep. And you were like, do you believe they love you? And I was like, yep. And you were like, do you love them? And I was like, yep. And you were like, have they said they're mad at you? And I said, nope. And you said, okay, if your heart was right, if your motives are good, if your intentions are good, that will come to the surface. And if they are indeed mad, rather than you sitting here and playing scenarios in your head and wondering what they feel or trying to go back and explain yourself or earn their love or do a post check. Hey, you okay? How you doing? You good? Just because you want to see if they're mad at you. You're like, don't do that. They're grown. If they're mad, they'll tell you. And if they love yep. you, they will say something because they care about the relationship. And when they say something, then that is when the door is open for you to say what yep. you need to say. Well, and we need to do that. And in one another's life, that's what I think the body of Christ was always supposed to be is reminding one another who we are on the days that we forget um. and to do that for ourselves, too. And that's pretty clear. Us reminding ourselves who we are um, is really, really important because if we're not speaking that over our own lives, then it's going to be really hard to not try to seek control of the narrative anymore. I think about circumstances as well and the ways that we end up in these circumstances and we want to do whatever we can like hustle and however we can to try to control the outcome of that circumstance i can think of an example in my own life right now where john and i have started cug gatherings communion gatherings you're starting it up in oregon and we just need more space in our house because there's lots of people who want to come and, and to be a part of community, to commune with God, to learn about reconciliation with God, self, and others. And 
we're so excited about it, but we've just been asking God for a bigger space. And I find myself so often just thinking about the what ifs, like, well, well, what if this falls through? Or what if this fell through? Or what if that house doesn't work out? Or what if this house doesn't work out? And I'm obsessing about the circumstances all the time instead of just going, God, God, oh, and I'm preaching to myself right now. Not wrong. I believe that you've called me to do this. By the way, I don't throw around the word called very often because I do think that that gets misused. I think sometimes we say we're called to things in Christianity and really it's just that we really wanted to do something and we spiritualize it. I'm saying it because that's what's true. That part. There have been times in my life where I have said, I really feel called to blah, blah, blah. I wasn't called to that. I wanted to do that and I made sure to put God's name on it because then it, it validates it. Right. So I'm just, that's, that's a whole nother subject. But I really believe that God has literally called us to create these communion gatherings, to create community for people, to, to bring about places of belonging and reconciliation. And I believe that so deeply in my heart. And so therefore, if God's called me to that, if God's called us to that, he's going to provide the space to do it. I don't need to sit and try to control the outcome of all these different circumstances and the what ifs and the what nots. I get to trust. Now, I have to shuffle my feet a little bit, meaning like I can't just sit and I mean, I guess some people in the Bible sat and waited for man and to fall from the sky. But there is a little bit of like, okay, God, what's my next step? What next step do I take? But then at the end of the day, to not be anxious about or distressed about it. So I think circumstances can be a real test of our control. And then post-pandemic, we're all reeling from the reality that we had no control in that situation. I mean, when you think about the pandemic, you think about the fact that we went from being all together, living this, what seemed like a free life to being shut indoors, at least for us in the Northwest, when I was living there, being shut indoors, not allowed to leave our house. And all of a sudden, this illusion of control really got exposed. It wasn't that we were ever in control, but the illusion got thwarted. And all of a sudden, this spiritual depravity that started rising up in us of us realizing like, oh my gosh, we actually don't have control about anything. Yeah. Yeah, you hit it on the nail on the head. The pandemic gave us that illusion. I think what has exacerbated this idea that we have control versus exposed to us that we don't is social media. When we think about controlling our narrative, social media has given us this false illusion that we can control it, that we can control the life that we live or who we're connected to or our status in society or what we get to put out the world to believe about us. And so many people are controlling a narrative that's false. They are yeah. writing a narrative that's false about them and people believe it. And I think that that has then created this pressure for everyone else to also keep up with that, control their own narratives, curate their own worlds. And the result of us thinking we're in control and us never actually being in control brings about this incredible amount of anxiety, this incredible amount of pressure, this incredible amount of not feeling good enough, this incredible uh, feeling of um, failure or not measuring up. We can send ourselves into some really, really deep, dark places when we try to be in control 
of our own lives, of the lives of the people around us, of our circumstances, of our narratives. We just were never meant to be in control. We don't have to do God's job. And I think that that gives me a sigh of relief sometimes when I actually embrace it. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to do God's job. Even when we were starting this podcast, I remember we were like, okay, our mission is all around reconciliation with God, self, and others. Okay, how are we going to do it? And how are we going to make sure people experience reconciliation? And And we, in our pause and in our pivot, really settled down and let God do the work and prayed over God doing the work. And I think what we realized and what we've been seeing as a result of this season already, the fruit that is being born from this season is that we didn't have to do the reconciling. That's not what God asked us to do. God asked us to turn on the mic. God asked us to share the stories of our loved ones. And as a result, God's doing the reconciling. We don't have to do God's job. We just have to do what God told us to do. And sometimes that's just sitting back in the passenger seat and letting God drive. Go for the ride. Yeah. The way that we start to release our need for control is when we realize that God is in control. It's hard to talk about it like that because you know that I'm super sensitive to Christianese language and so are you. But I would say even more so with me because I just heard it for so long that I can almost overanalyze everything. Just the idea of like, God's in control. Like I've heard that my whole life. You've heard that your whole life, like God's in control. And yet the idea that God really is in control, but it's easier said than done for us to believe it. And I think that there's some things and practices that we have to take of really living into the fact that God really is in control. And also we get to participate in this beautiful life with God. And there's going to be really hard moments and there's going to be really beautiful moments and there's going to be a mess in the, in the, in between. And yet if you trust me and you trust that I really am in control and you participate in that journey, it's going to be really beautiful. And I do believe that with all my heart that at the end of my life, I hope that I'm able to look back and say, God, I relinquished control to you time and time again. Doesn't mean I didn't grasp for it, but I relinquished it. And I think the idea that we are noticing our body, right? Our body keeps square. If I'm noticing my body and I'm noticing that I'm really anxious and I'm really tense, I need to sit back and ask myself the question, like, what am I trying to control right now in my life? And what do I need to relinquish? To God. And honestly, when I take myself through that practice of asking myself that question and kind of starting to unpack some of those things, not only does my body start to relax, but I don't feel as anxious yeah. anymore. And I've talked about that on season one I'll, and, and I'll mention it in season two. I've I never suffered from anxiety my entire life. I didn't have a baseline of that, at least to my knowledge, I didn't until I did. Until I started having panic attacks all the time. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, wait, some of this has come up multiple times in my life. And what was triggering it was just the fact that everything felt out of control. And I had big trust issues that were going on. Sometimes we have to realize that we're out of control in order to realize that God is in control. I mean, those those moments where everything seems so out of control and I feel like I've done everything I could to control it. Those are the moments that I take a step back and go, 
man, I've been spinning my wheels and God, I have to trust you. I literally have no other choice but to trust you. I want to get to a place where I'm not going to out of control mode in order to start trusting God. And I'm journeying through this with you, T. I'm working towards that, but I'm not there yet. You know what kind of control I want? I want the kind of control, like when I get on an airplane, a big old metal machine that's going to fly in the air and someone yeah. is driving it and I can sit on that plane and I fall asleep. I go to sleep when I get on airplanes, okay? And yeah. I trust that this big old thing is going to get up in the air, travel hundreds, sometimes thousands of miles and land me safely. I got to trust that pilot. I got to trust that everything is going to work on that machine. I got to trust that even during turbulence, the plane is going to stay in the air. I got to trust that the legs are going to work to land. Us. Like There's so many things. And I sleep like a baby on a plane. That's how I want to trust God. Like <laughs> That's truth. I can't sleep on planes, but I, I, I'm not. It's because I can't sleep on planes. It's not because I'm scared. And I do trust the pilot. And that's a good call out. I can trust a pilot sometimes more than I can trust God in my own circumstance. But not to like go over this point over and over, but once again, going back to the phrase that God is in control, I also think that that phrase can get misused. A lot of times people use the phrase God is in control and it can really trigger some things inside of people. Sometimes we can throw around that phrase in order to justify something or maybe not justify it, but kind of put a blanket statement over instead of digging in and dealing with with the hurt that's happened. And this might be a little controversial, but the reality is Joel Osteen is a pastor in Texas that is pretty well known. And there was a shooting at his church. And all of these people in social media and in the media are just so angry at him because in his response after the shooting happened, he talks about how God is in control. And how hurtful that could have sounded to so many people. Like, if God is in control, then why the heck did all this stuff just happen? And I think that that's a question that a lot of people are asking themselves. Like, well, God, if you're in control, then why does this, this, and this exist in my life? Well, God, if you're in control, then why did this person tragically pass away? Why did bad things happen to good people? That's the number one thing in apologetics that I hear all the time in Christianity and people who are skeptics and are standing outside saying, you guys are are crazy. And I think that us saying God is in control is not a justification of bad. God being in control is the fact that we have nothing else to put our faith or our hope in when everything else seems out of control. And so for me, at least, saying God is in control is literally a declaration of saying, please, God, be in control because everything around me feels out of control. It's the brokenness of our world. When we say God is in control, it is not that we are not allowed to question God, right? I think what we're addressing is the wrestling with God or when we right. are trying to do God's job. But it does not mean that our God is a God that we can't ask questions to. And I continue to relate this back to my kids because I look at God as the father, as a parent, right? If God's like, hey, T, we're going to X, Y, Z. If I say, hey, Storm, we are going to Target. She loves Target, right? 
she might say why. Yeah. And I can tell her why. We don't have to just be like, okay, let's go get in the car. There are times when we can sit and have a conversation. Why are we going to Target? What do we need to get at Target? What do we need? Why do we need to go right now? How long is it going to take to get there? How long are we going to be gone? There are things where we can have that relationship. We can have a question. Now, what boils my blood is when I tell Storm to do something, like go to bed, and it's the wrestling, and it's the fighting, and it's the crying, and it's the tantrum, and it's the prolonging it, and all those other things. That's wrestling with God. But I do believe we serve a God that we can question. We can ask him why, how, what are you doing? That's part of being in relationship, you know? But I also think when we say God is in control and let God be in control, I don't think it's a passive role that we play. It's not just put your hands up in the air and just let life come to you, right? God is in control means he is going to ask us to do things and we are going to do those things. However, in doing those things, even when it doesn't make sense, we got to trust that he's working out all the other things around us. That he's working out all the other contexts, all the other circumstances. He's aligning everything else. And that we are just playing a piece in his plan. We are just a a small part of the greater vision. We can't see it all. We don't have the full context. We don't see the full picture. We are so zoomed in. It's why we can only do one step at a time. Walking and trusting that God is in control is active it requires active faith faith is an action it requires us to have active faith to walk in faith and just not meant for us to be passive and so i don't believe that god wants us to just throw our hands in the air as i said and be like god you in control you got this Whatever way the wind blows, I'm going. That's just not what I think of when I think of God is in control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and us making the declaration that God is in control sometimes just with any ounce of faith that we have left is us really what we're saying is, God, we're believing that one day all things will be made right again. I mean, there's a lot of brokenness in our world. There's wars and there are people being held in prisons and there are circumstances and abuse and modern day slavery and sex trafficking. You can start to get boggled down by just all of the crap that makes it feel like, gosh, God, are you really in control? And yet it comes back to what how we started this episode. What we're really longing for is for all things to be made right again. That's what we're saying. And so the declaration of God being in control is not to justify and to say, well, God's in control, so that happened for a reason. Nope. Bad theology. Us saying God is in control is us saying, please, God, make all things right again. Um, That's good. That's the declaration of, of saying God is in control. Please, God. We see the brokenness and we can do nothing to completely control it. Now we can participate with God in the story he's written for us. Like you said, it's not passive. We don't just sit back and say, well, God, you're in control. So I have no role in the process of helping make things right again. But it's believing God's making all things right again. And I have a role in how God chooses to use me to show people that God is working and he is longing to make all things right again. 
Yeah. And so I guess the, the question becomes, and I don't have the answer because I still try to take the wheel often. Confession. I don't have all the answers. One of the things that I am trying to learn to do is to release my need for control. And yeah. I think the first thing for me is just becoming aware of what it looks like when I think I'm in control. We all have habits or things we turn to when we think we are in control or when we're buying for um, us to be in control. And I think the first thing is just knowing what it looks like when we're trying to take control, what it looks like when we are trying to take the wheel, get in the driver's seat. I think when we try to get in the driver's seat, that's when we can find ourselves furthest away from God and not seeking him, maybe not asking the questions or whatever, but I don't really have the answers. And I don't know, E, how you maybe deal with relinquishing control and, and truly trusting that God's in control. But I know it's something that I'm so actively working to figure out how to do that. I'm with you, girl. I don't understand how to completely relinquish control. And I want to get to a place where it doesn't take me spinning out of control for me to realize, like for me to let go of the illusion of control and give back God the control that was always his. But I will say the releasing of my need to be in control is just the fact that I have to check in with my body and I can notice when I'm seeking control. And those are the days that I have to actively choose to say, God, where in my life am I seeking control and choosing to sit and literally pray and ask God to help me release it and and then to actively make decisions all that day to hold my thoughts captive and to say like that thought is stirring up anxiety in me because that thought's making me think I have control over that and instead of taking that thought and doing letting it go further into the path of my brain I hold that thought captive and say God help would you take this thought and would you Help me to move forward trusting you and believing that you always have my best in mind. I really believe you and I have to take you at your word. I'm in the process of of learning still. But I think you nailed it right at the end. It's also knowing God's character. Knowing that we can trust God. Yep. We're in marriages. We have spouses. And we might not always understand the decisions of our spouses, but we trust them. We trust that they're good. We trust that they're wise. We trust that they will make good decisions for our families, for themselves, for our marriages. And so I think some of that is we got to continue to know the character of God so that yeah. we can trust that he's good, even when we don't understand what it is he's doing. That's some good stuff, sister. That's some and good yeah. stuff. Yes. Get out the driver's seat and into the passenger's seat. Better back, go in our back seat, y'all. Yes. Yeah, maybe go take a nap in that back seat. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe we could all use a nap in the back seat. Instead, maybe we don't need to see everywhere we're going all the time, and it would help us relinquish that control. Thanks for, for talking about control, and I'm not trying to control the end of this episode, but I don't want, I want to keep it shorter than than longer so thanks t for another great conversation it's always 
the best part of, of my day to be with with my sister friend. So thanks for this conversation. I thought you were gonna say you're not trying to control the end of this conversation, but follow us on social, on Instagram specifically at come.union. Subscribe to this podcast, leave us a rating, tag somebody in the comments, subscribe to our newsletter, all the things so that you can continue to be a part of this community. And on that note, let the reconciliation begin. Thanks so much for listening today. Want to stay up to date with our episodes? Then subscribe to our podcast and newsletter on our website, come-union.com. Follow us on Instagram at come.union. Rather watch our podcast? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel at come underscore union. We are so glad you're a part of this community.